0: Emmanuel, that you choose to be with us in all the circumstances of life. Today, Lord, as we gather together, and we all just come here with that that bitter taste in our mouth over the wickedness that we see before our eyes and places in this land where innocent children are. We just come to you with heavy hearts today. And we know that you are our strength and you are our hope. And because it's Christmas, we can can just hear again that incredible good news that Jesus is with us in the midst of the bitterness, in the midst of the difficulty, that he was anointed to be the one to overshadow the darkness and to bring light and hope, compassion, and the promises. So, Lord, today as we gather together, be in this room now. Convict us in our minds and our hearts of those promises that cannot be shattered. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You should go and have a seat this morning. As we uh, turn our attention to the word this morning here. Uh, we are uh, in a series where we've called it Unwrap, and, and we're unwrapping uh, the gifts uh, of Christmas and starting specifically with the gifts of, uh, of the wise men here. And so we've done gold, you know, and we did frankincense, of course. Uh, today is? Thank you. Myrrh. That's right. We're going to look at myrrh. And... Uh, we we start looking at myrrh and uh, you know I got pictures for you so you get a handle where it comes from and everything and we start looking at myrrh but just to remind ourselves it's you know in the scripture there that the wise men came and they saw the child and his mother Mary and they fell down and worshiped him and they opened their treasure bags and presented him the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh so what's this myrrh stuff right uh, well, here's a picture of uh, the myrrh tree. It's parallel to what we talked about last week with frankincense and how you how you get myrrh, right? Same principles. And so here is is the myrrh tree, and and one thing that I, I would just point out that I think is kind of interesting about this tree, do you, do you notice what kind of ground this tree is growing in, or lack thereof? Right? I mean, do you see all that rock? Right? But, but, it, but it just seems to find a crack or a crevice in order to just kind of put, put down roots right? and, and grow. So you just kind of hold on to that a little bit. All right? So there, there's the tree. And then like uh, frankincense, uh, you get myrrh the same way. You, you peel back the bark. You make a, an incision in the, in the trunk of the tree. And then uh, the tree uh, kind of bleeds the sap. And then the sap eventually crystallizes and then you come along and you, you scrape that sap off and you get the crystallized uh, myrrh, uh, which uh, looks like that. And then myrrh is usually then um, turned into uh, an ointment. It's turned into an oil, right? And so you'll see it, the references in scripture that'll, it'll, depending on your translation, it'll call it an ointment or it'll call it uh, an oil, a perfume-like uh, like oil. Now, one one more little interesting thing about the the, uh, mer tree is, you know, you look at this nice big bushy tree that just grows in this crack or crevice, right, wherever you can find a little foothold, yeah? Look closely, however, at the branches of the mer tree. Notice anything? Yeah. I mean, there's a thorn in the flesh, Right? And, and even more than just like a thorn of a rose or something like that. I mean, these are like spikes, right? These are like spikes. Now, again, just kind of, you know, make a big deal out of that, but it's just kind of this interesting reality as we begin talking about myrrh and, and why it enters into the, the wise men and the Christmas story for us is to just remember this this tree that just grows in, in any little crack or crevice where it can find root and, and that it has this... this this thorn and the spikes and just can cause damage right now you put on top of those kinds of realities uh, is that myrrh uh, if you would taste it is bitter it's just bitter right uh, and so it's for rubbing you know it's an ointment it's a perfume it's for rubbing it's not for for consuming uh, because it's it's just bitter and we we know that not just because you can taste it and find out gee that's bitter uh, but by its very name itself, myrrh. Uh, in its root, the root word for the word myrrh is the word mara, and we can go into Exodus 15, and we can find the word mara and see how that's what the people of Israel did. Is it that, that, that they would name something based on the characteristics of what that something had? Okay, so we get the Israelites out, leaving the Red Sea, and they're leaving through the desert. And they've gone for three days and they're really, really thirsty and they finally find water. And it says, they did find water at Mara, but it was bitter. Yeah, it was bitter, which is how the place got its name. Guess what Mara means? Mara means bitter, right? Mara means bitter. And so Mara, the root, leads to myrrh, which is this bitter substance. Now the reality is we know about bitter. I I don't think there's any of us in the room today that didn't come in with a bitter taste in our mouth. I mean, just this overwhelming kind of oppressiveness because of what's happened in our country in the last few days. And, And we see how evil, how darkness can find its way, how it can just find a crack and a crevice in a place where it shouldn't exist and it can just take root, and it can wound us, and it can hurt us, and it can destroy. And And what are we left with? Even we who are far away are left with that incredible sense of just bitterness and confusion and being overwhelmed and trying to make sense out of something that makes absolutely no sense. That's myrrh. That's myrrh. Myrrh is just that bitter thing. So you have to step back from it and say, well, all right, we understand bitterness in the world. We we understand how, you know, bitterness exists, and, and we have to deal with it, even though we don't want to. But how does bitterness apply into the reality of kings showing up at Jesus' birth? Well, let's take one more step with it. If you go into Exodus 30, you get the experience where God takes myrrh, the bitterness of myrrh, and he combines it with other spices and he creates the sweetness of anointing. It's really kind of an amazing thought, isn't it? God God takes this crack crevice tree... And the sap from this tree with thorns and spikes that can hurt. And, and he takes the bitter substance of it. And, and somehow when he gets involved in it, he can add to it so that all of a sudden that which is bitter is transformed into something that even can become a sweet anointing. It, it's Exodus 30. And it's kind of an interesting thing where God gives, gives a real recipe here. It's a specific recipe for how to, how to create the anointing oil. And he says, get some fine spices. Get 12 pounds and 8 ounces of liquid myrrh. There it is. Then he gives a whole other, other list of everything. Get 4 quarts of olive oil. Down to first, verse 25. Have a person who makes perfume mix everything into a sacred anointing oil. It will smell sweet. Things are changing. God's getting involved. It says, Then anoint the tent of meeting and the ark where the tablets of the covenant are kept. Anoint the table for the holy bread and all of its articles. Anoint the lampstand, the things that are used with it. Anoint the altar for the burning incense. Anoint the altar for burnt offerings and the tools. Anoint the large boil together with its stand. Do you get the feeling there's a lot of anointing going on in this stuff? I mean, it, it, God is, is certainly not harboring the anointing. He is, he is spreading the anointing. He is, he's willingly spreading the sweet perfume of this anointing. And he says in verse 29 there, You must set them apart so that they will be very holy, and anything that touches them will be holy. He takes the bitterness of this myrrh, and he transforms it into the sweetness of an anointing. And then he reminds us and say to the people of Israel, this will be my sacred anointing oil for all time to come. And then we get the experience of Jesus when he's grown up. And he's ready to go to the bitter experience of the cross. The experience that made absolutely no sense, that was totally unjust, that was just the hard-heartedness of, of the human race abandoning the Savior, where he has to go through what seems so unthinkable of being spit upon and beaten and those spikes from that tree turned into steel and nailed to a cross. And before that happens, a woman shows up when he's in Simon's house and she anoints him with a sweet perfume, probably myrrh. It's in the text in Luke 7. She began to wet his feet with her tears, and she wiped them with her hair, and she kissed them and poured perfume on them. What is this myrrh stuff all about? Myrrh. Myrrh was presented to baby Jesus because from the beginning, he was anointed to a purpose. He was anointed to a purpose. He was anointed to that purpose of entering into the bitterness of this world. He was anointed to a purpose. And we can see it in Mark, where myrrh shows up again. And and in Mark, it's the crucifixion. They're out at Golgotha. He's on the cross, and it says in verse 23, And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. But notice his response to it. But he did not take it. Why didn't he take it? Well, because myrrh not only was a perfume and an anointing oil, but myrrh was also used to deaden pain. And, and Roman soldiers carried myrrh in the, in their packs so that if they were wounded, they could put myrrh on the wound and they could deaden the pain of the wound. So Jesus is on the cross and they offer him the wine to sweeten up the bitterness of the, of the myrrh and they offer it to him and he says, "'No, I, I'm not taking it. Why?' Because he was anointed to take on the full force of the darkness of this world. And nothing was going to take him away from that anointing. That's why he came. He he was anointed to take on the cracks and the crevices where darkness gets hold of us in this world. He was anointed to take on the, the spikes and the thorns that come into our flesh and the bitterness and the hardship that makes no sense. He was anointed. And he was not going to refuse that anointment or deaden the pain of it. And that myrrh shows up then after his death. When Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate and he asks for the body of Jesus and Nicodemus gets involved who came to Jesus earlier. And it says, Nicodemus also who earlier had come to Jesus by night came bringing a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about 75 pounds. That's a lot of myrrh, people, okay, in in weight. So they took the body of Jesus. They bound it in little clauses of spices as of the burial custom. Myrrh was used. Myrrh was used for the purpose of burial preparation, to anoint the body and to create the sweet perfume. It's so like us, isn't it? To, to think somehow we can cover up with sweet perfume reality of the bitterness of death? Jesus came because he was anointed to do what we couldn't do. To face death and to overcome it. And so you say, well, so what's that got to do with a baby being born in Bethlehem and wise men showing up with gold, frankincense, and Myrrh? Yeah, myrrh. Because the wise men saw the big picture of what God was doing in this child coming into the world. They saw from the prophecies the big picture of what God was going to do through this child and the anointing that, that was on him and his purpose in coming into this world. Do we have puzzle doers in here? People like to do the puzzles? Yeah. You ever try to do a puzzle without having the box? Pretty tough, right? What are you missing? You need the box because you need the cover. Forget the stuff where the, the box where the stuff goes in, right? What you really need to do the puzzle is you need the cover on the box. Why? Well, on the cover is the big picture. Yes. The big picture. And you can't put the small pieces together to understand how everything fits if you don't get the big picture. The wise men show up and they've heard the prophecies and they get the big picture of why this child came into the world. He came into the world to face the bitterness, to face the ugliness and to overcome it. We know it. We knew it before he was born. We, we knew it when even when he was first conceived. We've got the angel showing up to Mary and we've got the angel showing up to Joseph. And Matthew 1 here, the angel shows up to Joseph in a dream and he says, listen, Joseph, marry the girl, it's okay. She's going to have a son and you must give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. See, we all know We all know sin is real. It just hit us big time in the face in the last few days. We know sin is real. What the kings knew and why they brought myrrh, they knew this baby was just as real. Just as real and even more powerful because this baby was anointed to the purpose of of saving us from the bitterness and saving us from the darkness and saving us from the injustices and saving us from all the guilt and overwhelming it with the possibility of life. If you go uh, into uh, Joseph and Mary's experience after Jesus was born, they take him to the temple and they run into a guy named uh, Simeon. And... They bring him to the temple, and Simeon, it says, was led by the Spirit, and he was led to go to the temple courtyard. At the same time, Jesus and his parents are bringing the child to the temple, bringing Jesus to the temple, and they came to do what the law required. And then Simeon Simeon grabs Jesus, the child, and and takes him into his arm and praises God, and he says these things. Lord, you are the king over all. Does he get a big picture sense? Got a big picture going on. Lord, you are the king over all. Now let me, your servant, go in peace. That is what you have promised. My eyes have seen your salvation. Did he see the cross already? Well, Jesus is a baby, but what does he know? He knows the anointing purpose that this child is coming to the world for. He sees the big picture. He knows what this child is anointed to accomplish. My eyes have seen already. I know it. I've seen your salvation. You prepared it in the sight of all your people. It's a light to be given to those who aren't Jews, and it will bring glory to your people, Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what Simeon was saying about him. And then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, Jesus' mother, this child is going to cause many people in Israel to fall and to rise, and God has sent him. But many will speak against him, bitterness. The thoughts of many hearts will be known. And a sword will wound your own soul, too. Jesus came into the world to face the bitterness, to face the ugliness, to face those thorns, to face those spikes that get driven into our own life, and to ultimately face our own weaknesses. Hebrews captured it this way. Hebrews said, Day after day, every priest stands and does his special duties. He, he offers the same sacrifice again and again, but, but they can never take away sin. Jesus, our priest, anointed. Jesus, our priest, offered one sacrifice for sins for all time. Then he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time, even now, he awaits for his enemies to be put under his control. And by that one sacrifice, he is made perfect forever, those who are being made holy. You get it? Myrrh. They gave him myrrh. Why? Because this child was anointed for a purpose. And that purpose was to face the ugliness and the disappointments and the sin that finds the cracks and the crevices of our lives. It means for us, that we can hear Isaiah today and understand and say, that's right, he did that, and he did it for me, and he did it for those people in Connecticut, and he did it for those children. Isaiah says, he suffered the things we should have suffered. He took on himself the pain that should have been ours, but we thought God was punishing him. We thought God was wounding him and making him suffer. But the servant was pierced because we had sinned. He was crushed because we had done what was evil. He was punished to make us whole again. His wounds have healed us. All of us were like sheep. We we, we wandered away from God. All of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord has placed on his servant the sins of all of us. That's why he came. That's why they gave him myrrh to confirm that anointing. What's it mean for us? It means this Christmas, and in spite of everything that's happened, we can unwrap and face the bitterness of this world. We we can go ahead because we know this truth and see the big picture. We we can unwrap that stuff in our own lives, that ugliness that's gotten into the cracks and the crevices of our relationships and got into the cracks and the crevices in our our work environment and, and found its way to wound us and prick us and thorn us and spike us and you know what I'm talking about. That, that we can just take that on. We can look at that and, and not hide it anymore, not ignore it anymore, not deny it anymore. We, we can take it on because we know Jesus came into the world and He was anointed for that purpose. And He's done it and it allows us to unwrap it to be able to face it. And it allows Him able to forgive it and when that happens we get to unwrap a sweetness a sweet perfume in our lives paul says christ didn't have any sin but god made him become sin for us so we can be made right with god because of what christ has done for us he says in colossians you were dead because you were sinful and we're not god's people but god let christ make you what alive when he forgave all of your sins that's why he came that was his anointing that's why kings came with myrrh so they could get it out in front of us from the get-go from the beginning so we could be like them and, and see the big picture and even today have the advantage of knowing it's accomplished like he said it is finished it's done he did it And and when all the ugliness faces us, when when all the bitterness comes into our lives, when, when we get those pricks and those thorns, we know Jesus is still Lord and King and His anointing is still true and it's for us. And we can unwrap it. We can unwrap it and let go of all that stuff in our life and just say, Jesus, Jesus, I want your anointing. I want your anointing, so that my life can do the same thing. That's what it leads us to. I was talking to one of our one of our members last night, and uh, you know, live nativity going on and everything, and, and we were talking about everything that's going on and, and stuff going on e- even in Milwaukee here, and and, and uh, the member said, uh, you know, and this is paraphrase, but you know it's easy for me to sit down and look at stuff going on and, and just complain about it. But I, I decided what i got to do is is get off my backside and get out there and do something about it. That, that's the anointing. That's the anointing, isn't it? I mean, if, if we're going to receive myrrh, if we're, we're going to see wise men giving this gift of myrrh today, and, and if we're going to unwrap the bitterness in our life and we're going to receive and unwrap the sweetness that Jesus brings and the forgiveness and the life that He's offering to us, then we got to be anointed and say, we're not here just to be comfy and cozy and take care of each other. That, that Christ Church doesn't ex- exist just so we can gather together and sing Kumbaya on Sunday morning. We're anointed. And we're anointed to be out there. We're difficult. Stuff happens that we can't fathom or understand or make any sense of. But that's where we're supposed to be. Because we receive the anointing that comes from forgiveness. Paul says it this way. Brothers and sisters, God has shown you his mercy, so I'm asking you. I'm asking you to offer up your bodies to him while you're still alive. Your bodies are a holy sacrifice that is pleasing to God. When you offer your bodies to God, you are worshiping Him. Don't live any longer the way this world lives. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. Then you'll be able to test what God wants you, wants for you. And you'll agree that what He wants is right. And His plan is good and pleasing. Perfect. Myrrh, it is the sweet perfume when God takes the bitterness of our lives and transforms it into anointing that we can go out and be people who make that kind of impact in the world. And here's the answer. The more people we reach and the more hearts that we change, and experience and receive Jesus Christ as Lord, the less days we'll have like the other day. The more hearts we can capture in the purposes of God and to know grace and forgiveness, the more our world will make sense. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for the anointing gift of your son, Jesus, and that, that kings would show up and see that big picture. They would get it. They would understand it. And they would know the impact that this, this child would be. And today, we ask for that. We ask for that impact. We ask that we could receive Jesus as that incredible anointed son of God who came to take away all the ugliness in our lives to to uncover those cracks and those crevices that we try to hide and let us just let go and just surrender it all and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you did for me on the cross and the forgiveness and the life you now bring me and empower me now to live that incredible life, sweet perfume, anointed to make a difference in this world to capture more hearts for Christ so that the injustices of the world become so few and the goodness of God becomes so obvious. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.